My guest today is a journalist and drag queen who embodies the word fashion in more ways than one. You've read their written work in the cut and seen them perform in places like Bushwick. I'm happy to have with me today, Dynasty. Hello. So let's start with a few firsts for you. So firstly, when and what was your first exposure to drag? My first exposure to drag was watching it on TV, actually, on RuPaul's Drag Race. I remember my friend in high school was like, have you heard of this show before? And I was like, no, what's that? And I watched it and I guess my life changed. Is that is that so cliche? Like, oh my God, I watched RuPaul's Drag Race. And then... <laughs> was it love at first sight for you? It was. It was a way of expressing myself that I hadn't thought about before. And a whole new world opened up. And what season did you start with, if you recall? It was season six. And then when I saw season seven, which like, I guess I'm by no means am I like, oh my God, I love RuPaul's Drag Race kind of person. (laughs) But like, (laughs) but when I watched season seven, I was like, oh, wait, like drag can be like a fashion forward thing as a like as well, you know. Who was the queen that did that for you or who were the queens that did that for you? Oh gosh, this is so bad. I mean, maybe it's not bad because she looked beautiful, but Pearl, honestly. Okay. Complete honesty. I was like, oh wow, she looks great. Okay. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. And then another first for you is when did you first start getting into fashion? My entire life, I don't remember when there wasn't a time where I was very considerate of how I presented myself to the world. Like, even when I was really little, like a toddler, early memories, I remember, like, mom laying out clothes to go to church. And I was like, can I wear this? And it was the dress that she laid out for my cousin. And she was like, no, you can't wear that. And then, like, as I grew up, I was just always, like, into fashion. How would you describe your drag aesthetic when i first started out um it's it's transformed a lot i'll say that first um when i first started out i wanted to be like this regal presence like give off a regal energy like i would wear crowns that i found at like halloween adventure on 14th and (laughs) um and it's drastically changed as i started to like perform and pick songs that i thought felt right to perform to um and now I love still being regal but it's taken more of a like ethereal glam direction Mm -hmm. if I had to describe it um I'm very much a kind of performer that is like I'll do what I'm feeling in the moment Mm -hmm. so it's constantly changing and that's the cool thing about drag is that you could just be who you want in that moment when you're feeling it how do you find these aesthetics? Well, I I see a lot of images and videos. I'm like constantly barraged by like fashion mm-hmm. just by like my line of work day to day. Yeah. And what I used to do before like I actually worked in fashion is I would go on Vogue runway and just kind of like go through things really quickly and I would like absorb it subconsciously, I guess. And so then it translated to like going shopping and then like kind of picking things that I like would see but also felt right for me. How, if at all, has doing drag impacted 
both your sense of fashion out of drag and your fashion writing as a whole? So fashion has impacted my drag by being extremely thoughtful about the things that I'm putting on and how things work together, like visually. Being really considerate about how a piece of clothing might interact with jewelry that I want to style it with or like hats, gloves, accessories. Um, And the cool thing about like the relationship between the two is that one can be very practical, but drag brings it to like a whole other level of just fantasy and fun and becoming a whole other person. So that's how fashion impacts my drag. But in terms of being a queen and working in fashion, I would say it definitely lends to my attitude of just being fearless Mm -hmm. and like not being afraid of voicing myself, expressing myself. And I think it's translated um, extremely well because I've gotten so much support from like my coworkers and like editors and like even the editor in chief is super supportive of it. And I think it's appreciated and welcomed and that's amazing. Would you say that it's had an impact on how you write, how you approach writing, what you write about? Definitely. I think everything that I see in the world, write about or see in fashion is always through a lens of being like a queer person of color. I will say that maybe not necessarily being a drag queen, but I think being a part of a community that uplifts QPOC, QTPOC, definitely changes the way that I approach things. Like, I'm not like top of the totem pole, so I can't make decisions that are like, we need to feature like all like QTPOC. But I try where I can to like give voice to the community that I'm a part of. And I hope that I can more Mm -hmm. as I continue to climb the ladder to success i guess gotcha (laughs) um so you did a lot of work as a stylist and work hands-on in industry before you became an editorial assistant at the cut what prompted you to make the shift towards writing i honestly did not make a like concrete decision that like oh i'm gonna leave styling and go into writing it happened very fluidly When I was doing styling and assisting, I was working with people who were very much from that, like, luxury, exclusivity, whitewashing aspect of fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew in my heart that something was wrong. Like, I was like, this is not where I want to be. Like, I'm completely on the wrong path. And... um, Someone, another woman that I would assist, she's like this crazy Asian woman from London. Mm -hmm. She brought me onto the cut while she was there temporarily. And the team, I guess, liked me and the stuff that I was doing. So they asked me to stay. And a year later, they can't get rid of me. (laughs) That's great. On the topic of writing, you've very much been immersed in the world of fashion, What's the hardest thing about writing about something you're so well-versed and so a part of? That's actually something that I struggle with is something that is so intuitive to you. Like, how do you write about it? Like, how do you put to words something that just comes natural to you? And that is honestly like what I am learning now, learning how to do better by just being assigned like stories and collaborations, um, 
being able to look at something and put to words what I'm seeing and what's happening. And it's always much more interesting when there's context behind it. Like, it's always cool when, like, a designer or a brand has some sort of story or, like, background that they can impart onto their fashion, you know. So what are the designers, fashion lines, and collections that have influenced your aesthetic both in and out of drag? Mm, Right now, I've been super inspired by Area. They're based in New York. It's super glamorous and embellished with rhinestones. Mm. Are you familiar? I am not, but I do love rhinestones. Yeah, so they make dresses, like, with all of this, like, beautiful rhinestone netting. And, like, they'll, like, take a blazer and crop it and add, like, rhinestone trim to it, which inspired my Bushwig look. So it's fantastical, but it's also something that I could see just, like, a super fabulous person walking down the street and to go to like their daytime job like can you imagine that fantasy like a rhinestone blazer like (laughs) walking into your job in like midtown (laughs) it's the most fabulous thing (laughs) what do you think is the biggest issue that's plaguing the fashion world that isn't being talked about enough this is something that i think about all the time is like activism and like being politically and socially active and in fashion is kind of like a facade almost. And Mm. that's what it feels like. It feels like a marketing gimmick. Like it feels like these brands with like so much money, so much power, especially in certain, like certain brands are part of like huge conglomerate corporations. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll like come out with a t-shirt that's like, we're all feminists or something like yeah. that. I'm not going to say specifics. Mm-hmm. People know the te- like people now, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, like you could put that on the runway, but like, what are you doing fiscally or actively to actually lobby and like implement policies or work towards, you know, actually writing things into legislation or raising money for organizations. Like that doesn't happen. It's all just, an image and I hate that there's so much work to do in that regard where do you draw the line between cultural appropriation and just appreciation and influence it's always hard to tell like if the agent is knowledgeable on the culture mm-hmm. that they're like appreciating or appropriating um <laughs> I mean I think it is important to hold people accountable, but it's also hard to tell. Maybe I'm not the right person to ask for this because I think it's a gray area, but with like some things like, I don't know. There are some things where like if a brown person is wearing a certain thing that's part of their culture and it makes them discriminated against as opposed to like a white person doing it. Mm -hmm. I think an example of that is like box braids. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if a white person is doing it, it's, like, edgy or, like, cool or whatever, something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if a black person does it, it's, like, you know, it's not acceptable for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, those things are a little bit more clear than, like, a white person wearing a kimono, Mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, Because that happens all the time, but people aren't necessarily having, like, a in-depth debate about it you know 
did you see that Twitter thing? It was like last year or like a few months ago about the girl that wore a kimono to prom. And then people got, it was like a white girl and people got angry at her. And like, apparently I remember that Yeah, there was like surprisingly split opinions on it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's like one of those things. I mean, I'm not Japanese, so maybe I, I'm not like the expert on this topic. But, I mean, Japan is one of those countries that's always been, like, a world power economically and, like, go- like politically. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not as bad as, like, I don't know, like, a white person wearing something in, like, a poor area of Southeast Asia or something. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, yeah that makes sense. It's, um, it's a matter of, I guess, like, influence and power that the, yeah. that the party that is being copied or influenced from yes that's how i see it and that is that's like i said it's not black and white at yeah. all like there's so many cultures in this world and people who come from different cultures that it's hard to like pinpoint every person and like yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. their intentions or whatever exactly to shift a little bit uh, you spent some time in paris learning international <laughs> marketing oh my gosh how do you know all of this you do your research. Oh, I, I'm you, like, whoa. You do your research. So uh, w- what is the most important lesson you learned with your time in Paris not related to what you were studying? Okay. I learned to let go. I'm like such a control freak. And when I got there, I like lost control because I wasn't in control. And I like freaked out because I was in like in a new place. I was like, I definitely don't fit in. I mean, do I fit in anywhere? No. But yeah, I learned to like let go and just go with it. And like being in a new place, you just kind of want to like, it taught me how to just like absorb like culture and like people and experiences around me. I did. I was really bad at going to class when I was there. So (laughs) that's why. (laughs) Yeah, you were there for like a year, right? More or less. Half a year. And, yeah, I didn't really take school that seriously as much as, like, (laughs) I should have as much. I definitely took more seriously just, like, exploring and making friendships and... That's, yeah, that's honestly... Meeting people. Yeah, that's that's just as valuable, if not more so. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, especially... You're in Paris. It's... it's, From an outsider's perspective, it's just how can you not just lose yourself for a little while exactly and then i brought that attitude with me to new york have you faced adversity as a queer asian person either within the world of fashion or the world of drag if so how has it manifested itself growing up in missouri absolutely um i wasn't aware of it per se because that was all i knew but like i would get called like a chink and like it's like what who says that I guess people in Missouri, but, um, nope, not <laughs> I, just Missouri <laughs> everywhere. But yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it happened to me in like, it happened to me recently actually here, like walking down the street in Brooklyn. But so that is more related to, I guess, being Asian. Um, and as like, I started to go to college and like leave the nest. Um, cause how I grew up, like wasn't the best place to like bloom as a queer person Mm -hmm. um and so it kind of started when i went to school in philadelphia 
Mm-hmm. And I started experimenting with like my style more and like how I perceive the world, I guess, and walk through the world and interact with it. And I literally had like one really good girlfriend in school and everyone else was just like so mean, mm. would just give me awful looks. Like I felt laughed at. And that's when I started to do like my makeup in like my dorm room by oh. myself oh. and like just take selfies. Um, and I would just post them. <laughs> that's, that's wholesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's how I started out. But then I was, there was always this like lingering thought. I was like, all of these kids definitely think like, I'm a total weirdo. Like I'm a homo. Like, yeah, I'm a homo, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I still get called like the F word to this day. Like, people yelling it from their cars or like shouting it on the street late at night when Mm. they're feeling courageous, I guess. Yeah. And like I was wearing these jeans. They're like, to me, these are just like, wow, these jeans are so casual. And I was just wearing them with a t-shirt. Oh, those are fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I guess it's not like, a rhinestone embellished blazer but no, like they're fun and stylish <laughs> damn it but like i got so many looks at the airport literally like two days ago and i was like what <laughs> and of course like the only person that was like hey your outfit is cool it was like another like person of color that was working at the gift shop and i was like hell yeah i see you like ag- among all of these like stupid like businessmen yeah <laughs> but yeah and then in terms of drag, have you felt any adversity? I mean, not like aggressively, like outwardly saying someone coming up to me and being like, you are a drag queen and that is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even with my family, it's like, I'll start with my family and then like friends and then move to strangers. Mm-hmm. But within my own family... Some of them are like, oh, like, yeah, that's really cool that you're doing that. And mm-hmm. some are like, if I bring it up, they won't talk about it. Oh. Um, and, like, I haven't told my dad that I do drag. Um, especially, like, just coming from, like, a conservative, yeah. like, Asian immigrant family. Um, that's always something that I've been really nervous about mm-hmm. is opening up to him about that. Yeah. Um, my mom knows, and I literally told her, like, a year after I started doing drag. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's been really supportive. So, family is, like, half and half. It's a little... Yeah. Like, some people are supportive and some people are not mm-hmm. supportive. And there's nothing that I can do about that. Yeah. Um. With, like, friends or, like, people who I used to be friends with. Like, people around our age have been really supportive. If I'm, like, walking someplace with my sisters, like, usually we all try to, like, travel together. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I live with West Dakota. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're roommates. um, And I, like, hang out with a bunch of the girls all the time, and we're always kind of, like, walking around together. And people will totally yell out awful stuff to us. Mm. Um, But... I mean, that's why we're doing it. Is that so they can see us, you know? 
what's the worst you ever bombed in a performance and what did you take away from it oh my gosh okay so (laughs) one performance sticks out so like so much in my mind it was within the first couple months that i started and i was wearing like a red like super sexy like latexy like bdsm-esque like look hell yeah and i went up on stage and like sang for Once in My Life by Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> That's iconic. I think, I, I think everyone in the audience was confused. <laughs> and like, I didn't know the key. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And one of the newer girls who like I'm friends with now came up to me like maybe like half a year ago and was like, hey, do you remember that performance that you did? And I was like, yeah, why? Like, I don't want that up there at all. And she was like, honestly, like, it really inspired me to just be fearless. And I was like, why? Because I was, because I was embarrassing myself, which is funny, but. If if she could do something so fucking outrageous, (laughs) God damn it, why should I worry? Yeah, that was, that was a moment. Someone, I remember someone in the audience when I first started was like, is this karaoke? <laughs> I was like, wow, the shade. Uh, my, that's that's <laughs> terrible, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you weren't laughing about it at the time. I I don't even remember what I was thinking at the time. I think I just like really tried to block it out of my mind like right after, and I was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I got drunk. Yep, that's that's, <laughs> that's a surefire way to do it. Um. Do you have any advice for those interested in pursuing a career within the fashion industry? Yes, a lot of advice. And I was actually just talking to my mom about this before I came here because she's visiting with her girlfriends from the suburbs, but unrelated. Send as many emails as you can, like all the websites, brands, like magazines, whatever, have an email like a contact email Mm -hmm. send your resume to as many as you can um literally dm people that's how i got one of my jobs was literally like dming someone being like hey i want to work with you um and they were like okay send your resume so reaching out to as many people as possible is like don't be ashamed of that like what's the worst that'll happen they'll say no or ignore you um and be ready to work your ass off. Yeah, like, literally be prepared to put in the work. Like, when you first start out, you will be working 12-hour days, like, give or take. And you just have to stick with it and just do it. And just have your vape pen or a J waiting for you at home <laughs> so you can relax, decompress, and do it again the next day cool it's i guess similarly uh like in journalism you'll find and i'm sure other industries too like the concept of an unpaid internship or unpaid job like hey work for us it's called classism yeah is is that a thing like for fashion like hey work for us for free but you're working for a brand so it matters Uh, honestly i'm actually seeing more and more brands paying their interns like at new york magazine the interns are paid Mm -hmm. um and what you have to do is get a part-time job Mm. 
um like i remember working a couple odd jobs during my internship and i remember one of them telling me to not come back because of the way that i was dressed what were you dressed <laughs> i wore a black tank top and a black blazer with black jeans that's not even like that ridiculous that's not even that ridiculous but i guess like as a host you can't wear it that i don't know i'm like what do you want me to wear a bow tie I, like <laughs> <laughs> Look like I'm about to like go to my financial internship at Infidei. Like what? <laughs> exactly. Um, kind of similarly. Do you have any essential readings, viewing, or media consumption for those interested in to in getting more into the fashion world? Read the cut <laughs> for sure. And I'm not just saying that because I work for the cut. Um, yes. It is the most like genuine, clever, down to earth and accessible publication fashion publication I think out there right now. Mm-hmm. Like you read so many fashion publications and it's just like all fluff and fantastical, but that's not real life. Mm-hmm. Um so I recommend to read The Cut and to listen to Stella Bugby's The Cut on Tuesdays. Um she just has a variety of topics that she dives into and speaks with honesty and is so earnest and intelligent um and i think that's what fashion needs right now yeah definitely (laughs) um like some real talk as opposed to like oh look at this fun little fantasy land that we live in but are ignoring like people's problems and stories and like you know it's not all roses is that the saying it's not all it's, no. it's not it's something like that. It's not all fairies. Yeah. Well, in Brooklyn drag scene, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that was so stupid. I, I, I love that. <laughs> uh, uh, so finally, since we've been talking a lot about it, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with a uh, one of them like SAT grand existential questions. Oh my gosh! Um, what, what does the word fashion encompass and mean to you? To me personally. Yes, to you. Okay. Oh, man. Can I start out by, like, describing what it means selfishly to me and then how what it means to me in, like, terms of, like, how I view myself in the world or, like, in reality? Whatever, however you'd like to answer. Okay. Yeah, I guess this interview is about me, so... <laughs> <laughs> For me personally, I, it's like my armor. Like I wake up and I'll put on something and it makes me feel okay to go out into the world and step outside my apartment and not be the scared little person. Um, lately, specifically, like recently, I've been wearing a ton of color, um, I can attest to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am wearing a bright green, slime green shirt, and I'm carrying a pastel pink bag, which is actually toned down from the amount of color that I usually wear. But, like, that, in terms of fashion, is, like, a mental health thing, mm-hmm. also. Um, it makes me, like, feel a bit more okay, mm-hmm. like, doing things day to day. 
yeah um a little bit more cheerful a little bit more open and i don't know if that sounds crazy just by wearing color but it does it for me um Mm -hmm. just because i want to be like an open person and doing that makes me feel like a little open ray of sunshine that's gorgeous so (laughs) um so that's what fashion is for me um but in terms of like why i'm still working in it even though there's so many countless issues is because i think fashion is one of the most powerful industries in the world like we all have to wear clothes we all consume fashion on social media Mm -hmm. and commercials on billboards walking down the street um so it has the potential keyword potential Mm -hmm. to give voice to marginalized groups Mm -hmm. qtpoc and to actually like have the funds to back that up I'm, the Aquarius in me is like taking it to like this like big like worldly like level, but that's just how I see it. So, yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, with that, where can the people find you, follow you, consume your work, etc.? Hey, people, you can follow me at Reign of Dynasty, R E I G N of Dynasty, um, on Instagram. I don't have Twitter. Maybe I should get on that. Ooh. And you can also find my bylines on The Cut under Andrew Wynn. N-G-U-Y-E-N. Do you have any shows that you'd like to plug? I actually don't have any shows coming up. I've been taking a little break. Okay. For fashion reasons. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, Ugh, I need to perform. So just keep a lookout on the on the gram. Awesome. Thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.